You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. This series of talks I have entitled Seven Key Truths or Seven Key Facts about the Lord Jesus Christ. What we believe about him is of paramount importance. In fact, what we believe about him determines our destiny. And I'm assuming I'm talking mainly to Christians and I want to say to you, it's important to understand these basic truths that we are going to consider over the next seven talks. The first one will be on the virgin birth. We're basically going to work through seven aspects of Jesus' life over the seven weeks. So we'll talk about his birth, we'll talk about his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, his heavenly ministry now. Some people call it his session at the right hand of the Father. Session simply means being seated there at the right hand of the Father. And finally, his second coming. So there are seven wonderful truths there that we're going to spend time thinking about over these talks. And today, it's, as I've said, the virgin birth. And uh, I'm going to give you four reasons why we should believe in the virgin birth. Firstly, the Bible clearly teaches it. Secondly, it's entirely consistent with what the Bible teaches about Jesus. Thirdly, we could never have been saved without it. And fourthly, it's a wonderful illustration of how we ourselves can become children of God. Wow. So, let's make a start then. Firstly, the Bible clearly teaches it. And I'm going to read a couple of passages. Uh, Firstly, one from Matthew, and then we'll read one from Luke in a moment. Firstly then, Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. So you will notice some very clear statements here which support the belief that Jesus was born of a virgin. In verse 18, before Joseph and Mary came together, in other words, before they had sexual intercourse, She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. 
Then in verse 20, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, said the angel. And then the quote in verse 23, a virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. Now I need to pause there for just a moment and point out that some people have argued that the Hebrew word that's used in Isaiah can simply mean a young woman. And therefore a young woman shall be with child. There is no need to interpret this as a virgin birth. However, the Greek word parthenos normally does mean virgin. Uh, of course, that's the word that's used here in Matthew. And the significant thing is, how is Matthew interpreting this verse? And the way he's interpreting this prophecy from Isaiah undoubtedly is to understand that Mary was a virgin. Hence the quotes we've just been looking at before they came together. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then verse 25, he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. Now another passage, the passage in Luke that's so familiar to us. Luke 1 verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you've found favour with God. You will be with child, give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, or more literally in the words of the old King James, since I know not a man. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So some key thoughts here. First of all, in verse 27, the use of the word virgin, again twice there in verse 27. And then, of course, the very fact that Mary asks the question, how can this be? It doesn't make any sense. She's basically saying, I can't have a baby. I've not had sex. That's basically it. And the, and the angel's answer is, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's the answer. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the one born will be called Son of God, not Son of Man but son of God. So it's very obvious that when Luke uses the word Parthenos, virgin, he, like Matthew, is intending us to understand it to mean virgin and not just a young woman. And then what clinches it, I love that little bit in Luke 3 and verse 23, uh, where Luke gives us a genealogy and uh, he talks about Jesus being as it was thought. 
the son of Joseph, making it very clear Jesus wasn't the son of Joseph, he was indeed the son of God. So if we take the scriptures seriously, which I trust we all do, then we have no alternative but to believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Of course, there are people who call themselves Christians, sometimes religious leaders who argue otherwise, and I have always said to them, uh, well, fair enough, but don't pretend that you are taking the Bible seriously if you are going to take that view. Don't pretend that the New Testament writers meant anything else than that Jesus was born of a virgin. That is the only possible logical interpretation of the texts that we have read just a moment ago. So that's the first thing. The Bible clearly teaches it. Secondly then, why is it important? Because it's entirely consistent with all the Bible teaches about Jesus. And I'm going to do this fairly quickly, uh, but I trust it will be obvious what I'm getting at. I'm going to talk first of all about who he is, and then about the miraculous events that surrounded his life. First of all, who he is. What does the Bible teach about Jesus in terms of who he is? Matthew 1.23, the angel says he is Emmanuel, God with us. Mark 1.1 talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You'll notice all four gospel writers are coming into this. Luke 1.32, he's called the Son of the Most High. And in John 1, verses 1 to 3, he is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And without him was not anything made that was made. <laughs> I just like the unauthorized version on that. It's lovely. Yes. So he was in the beginning with God. He was God, and through him all things were made. So, it's very clear that the Gospel writers understood Jesus Christ to be God himself. Not just the Son of God, but God the Son. Now, that, of course, raises the whole question of the doctrine of the Trinity, and that's not something we're going to be going into in these talks. But... Uh, there it is, Jesus is God with us. And therefore, if it is to be God with us, it makes perfect sense that he should be born of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And then, along the same line, the miraculous events that surrounded his life. Why should people make it so difficult to believe in the virgin birth when all of Jesus' life is surrounded with miracles? 
If you're going to do away with that, you do away with everything. There are the angels who appear to the shepherds. There is the star that led the wise men. And by the way, away with all these absurd notions that it was some astronomical event. The text does not justify all that. I get frustrated every Christmas when even Christians are trying to tell us it was the coming together of this and that. It was a supernatural manifestation. It had to be because it led them and they followed it and it stood directly over the house where the young child was. Normal star couldn't possibly do that. So away with all that. We don't have to justify it by some astronomical uh, phenomenon. Not at all. We believe in miracles. So, the angels, the star, and then his first miracle, turning water into wine. And he feeds 5,000 people. He walked on water. He controlled the winds and the waves. He healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead. Wow. And after he died, he was, was raised from the dead. And he ascended into heaven. So everything about this man is miraculous. So the virgin birth is entirely consistent with all the Bible teaches about him. Now, third reason. We could never have been saved without it. Now, that may surprise you. And it's not something we normally think about. We normally say, well, if Jesus hadn't died for us, we couldn't be saved. Or even if he hadn't risen from the dead, we couldn't be saved. Indeed, that's true. But you see, you've got to take the whole package for it to make sense. It's not just his death and resurrection. Our salvation depends on the doctrine of the virgin birth. Now, I better be careful here. I do not want to say that a person who doesn't believe in the virgin birth cannot be saved. Because I understand that some people get saved and you haven't yet understood all the teachings of the word of God. What I do say, however, is it is a logical contradiction to suggest that I'm saved but I don't believe in the virgin birth because it is essential logically. Why do I say that? Well, let's understand what the gospel is. We human beings are sinners. We are helpless. We are unable to save ourselves. Only God could save us. Not man, God. Only God could save us. Because he loves us, he wanted to save us. But because he is righteous, he must punish sin. How could he do it? By taking the punishment himself. Thus showing his love and yet satisfying his holiness. The sin is being punished, but he's taking this punishment in our place. Surely that's what the gospel is about. And in a few talks time we'll be talking about his substitutionary atoning death 
and we'll say more about that then. So you see, our salvation depends on our Saviour being both God and man. Only God can save us, but it is man that must be punished. So Jesus has to be both God and man, God to save us, and man as our representative to bear our sins. In becoming man in the person of Christ, God both punished sin and took the punishment himself. How else could Jesus be both God and man if he were not born of a virgin? Mary was his human parent. God was his divine parent. And finally... We should believe in the virgin birth because it's a wonderful illustration of how we ourselves can become children of God. See, Jesus said that if we are to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must be born again or born from above. You're familiar with his words to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, of course. Now, what what does it mean to be born again, to be born from above? Well, if you're listening to me and you know Jesus is your saviour, you know what I'm talking about anyway. But let me draw the parallels for you. Like the virgin birth of Jesus, our new birth is impossible for us, but possible with God. Remember what the angel said to Mary? Luke 1.37 Nothing is impossible with God. Hmm. The impossible happened when Jesus was born of a virgin. And the impossible happens when we are born again. Something we couldn't do for ourselves. What was impossible for us was possible with God. Aren't you glad about that? And incidentally, isn't it kind of nice to think that we have this parallel with Jesus in our lives? You know, it's wonderful to teach these things about Jesus, but how gracious God is that he's done something similar in each of us. The new birth is initiated by God and not by us. Hmm. Who can doubt that the virgin birth was initiated by God? It certainly wasn't initiated by man. And in John 1.13, talking about uh, people being born again, Jesus says, not of a husband's will. Those who are born, not of the will of man. Yes? Not of the flesh, not of the will of man. Not of a husband's will, as the modern translations put it but born of God. So this is something initiated by God. Thirdly, it's a supernatural act of God by the Holy Spirit. Just as the virgin birth was, so it is when we are born again. We turn from darkness to light. We come out of Adam into Christ. 
We move from the pathway to hell to the pathway to heaven. What a transformation. It is a supernatural act of God, the Holy Spirit, when somebody gets saved. And finally, it's something which can only be received in humble dependence on God's grace. Think about Mary. You found favour with God. And she replies, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And if you're listening to me right now, and you're not sure of your home in heaven, you're not sure that you're a child of God, you're not sure that you've been born again, I say to you, the miracle can happen. It can happen right now as you humbly invite Jesus into your life and ask the Holy Spirit to make you a new person. You trust him as your saviour. You welcome him into your life. And maybe something dramatic, dramatic happens or so it seems to happen or maybe it's very simple and very quiet. You know, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary, that was pretty dramatic. But we don't read that she felt anything dramatic at the moment that Jesus was conceived in her. It was a quiet work of God, a supernatural work in her. Wow, what a thought. And God can do that for you if you humbly invite him into your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.